Hello and welcome to My Soul Delights with Eileen O'Driscoll and Joyce and Joy. My Soul Delights is a program of faith in which we explore various faith topics and also include some intermittent short reflective features for your own quiet time and prayer. In My Soul Delights we are exploring the beauty of our Christian faith and the way in which God's love reaches out to each one of us in a deep and personal way to restore our hearts and to renew this world. In this episode of My Soul Delights, we are going to talk about Our Lady of Lourdes and Saint Bernadette and the whole story behind Lourdes. So just before we begin, we invite you to join us in prayer and I will share with you just a short reflection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Bernadette, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So this reflection is about praying to our Blessed Mother Mary. Turn to our Blessed Mother in confident prayer. She holds you close to her Immaculate Heart and will direct you to her Son Jesus. She is the perfect Mother, the Mother of all grace. Trust in her maternal care and intercession. She knows how to unlock the graces of the mercy of her Son and she longs to do so for you, her precious child. Our Lady of Lourdes, pray, for, pray us. for us. So the lovely story of Lourdes and Saint Bernadette. Lourdes is a beautiful little town um, nestled beneath the Pyrenees Mountains in France. Um, a lovely location, but a place that started out uh, with very humble beginnings. In the year 1858, on the 11th of February, a young girl known as Saint Bernadette, well later to be called Saint Bernadette, but known as Bernadette Sabiru, a young 14-year-old girl was out collecting firewood with her sister and her friend. And it was during this particular occasion that uh, she had a vision of Our Lady, or The Lady, as Bernadette used to call her. And I would just like to share with you her first words about this vision. Bernadette said, I raised my head and looked towards the grotto. I saw a lady dressed in white, wearing a white dress, a blue girdle and a yellow rose on each foot, the same colour as the chain of her rosary. After this, on February the 14th, when Bernadette returned back to the grotto, which was near to Lourdes, Our Lady appeared to her again, and another time, on February the 18th. And it was at this vision that Our Lady asked her to return to the grotto every day for the next two weeks. 
Uh, so, so begins the story of Lourdes, a beautiful story. And uh, we also hope to look a little bit at St. Bernadette and her background as well. But just before we do, uh, Joy, I'll pass over to you just to um, get us started. Thank you, Eileen. And thanks to all our listeners for your prayers and support. It's a great blessing for us to uh, reflect in this episode and also to ponder the history of Our Lady of Lourdes and uh, St. Bernadette's journey as well. Uh, you know, the whole area of our encounter with Our Lady of Lourdes and the events that took place and, uh, in Lourdes and also what happened afterwards and the abundant grace and blessings that comes from that holy shrine, holy site even today and uh, unlimited healing that is taking place in Lourdes even today as we speak. You know, so we see then Our Lady's invitation how Our Lady is inviting people irrespective of their background and qualification. You know, they look at people uh, in their heart. And this is what Jesus said before. He foretold this before to the apostles. You know, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is for those who have a childlike heart, like these little ones, he said. So don't stop them. Let them come to me, he said. And now we see Our Lady is reaching out to the little ones and bringing them making them, enabling them as instruments so that they can go and uh, pass along the message or the the key thing that Our Lady is requesting at that point in time in history uh, so that we all can follow them and we all can pray along with the church. We can journey, we can go on our pilgrimage ultimately to God's home, the eternal home. So we see then how Our Lady, you know, uh, enabled a simple, humble person called Bernadette uh, and identified a saint in her and ultimately enabling her to be a massive instrument and a tool for the church and ultimately even discerning her own vocation and becoming a nun in the end. So we'll look into her uh, in detail later on during this episode, but uh, it's a great blessing to be here and uh, reflect and ponder this uh, you know, along with you all. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Shai. It's amazing because the story of our Lady of Lourdes is world renowned. And, you know, anywhere you go, I imagine in the world, you could very likely come across a grotto or a shrine dedicated to our Lady of Lourdes. And quite a lot of the grottos in Ireland in particular are modelled after that apparition of Our Lady of Lourdes. Quite often you will see the statue of Our Lady in the the beautiful white and sometimes um, some blue there as well. And she's holding a rosary bead. And then you will also see Bernadette kneeling before Our Lady, looking up at her in prayer and with a loving gaze. And uh, quite a lot of the grottos are, are modelled after that image. So it testifies to the beauty of Lourdes. There is something um, definitely that captures people's hearts. Um, even people who go there who may not have a particularly strong faith, maybe people of no faith, and of course those who go there with a strong faith, um, looking to be nourished, uh, there's something that really appeals to so many. And I suppose uh, in order to maybe look at that, I will share with you maybe some of the requests that Our Lady asked of St. Bernadette uh, during the different apparitions uh, that Bernadette had at the grotto. So firstly, Our Lady 
had asked Bernadette um, if a chapel could be built where the grotto was located. And so Bernadette later on related this uh, to the local priest and bishop as well. And of course, if you go there today, you can see the beautiful uh, shrine and basilica that is there. Um, another thing, Our Lady is always outpouring in generosity for her children throughout the world. This is one of the beautiful gifts of our faith is that our Mother Mary is given to each of us as a spiritual mother. And I think Clourdes brings this out in a special way, the spiritual motherhood of Mary, the care she has for all her children. And as you share there, Joy, you know, the beauty and the simplicity of Bernadette, that childlike heart. Uh, that we can even try and keep as we, you know, grow old and as uh, we move on into adulthood, that um, the importance of preserving that uh, childlike heart. And so we see in the motherhood of Mary, as Jesus gave his mother to to all, the generosity of her heart, she always requests prayer for others. This is quite a common feature uh, that she requests prayer for others and for the conversion of souls. And for all to know that fullness of joy and love in God's presence, uh, such as the magnitude of her heart. And uh, it reminds me of a quote by St. Louis-Marie de Montfort, who said, if you even put all the love of all the mothers um, in the world into one heart, it still would not equal the love of Mary for her children. And uh, we can see that here as well. And then the third thing is that she had asked Bernadette to dig at the spring water, which was near to the grotto. And at the time, it was very muddy, muddy waters. And she asked her to dig at it, uh, to wash in it, and to eat a little bit of the herb that was there by the spring as well. And then the next day, when uh, people returned back there, they saw that the spring water was now clear, uh, gushing forth without any mud. Uh, so somewhat of a miraculous, um, I suppose, event. And of course, later on, this water will become very famously known as Lourdes water. And um, it's something that uh, when people go, you just want to take back Lourdes water <laughs> because of the beautiful blessing that, that is in that water. Um, and the many blessings and cures and miracles people have experienced by washing themselves in that water, entering the baths at Lourdes or uh, simply, uh, you know, blessing themselves with it as well. Uh, so there is a very surreal beauty um, in all of this, but yet it, it's very real. And I suppose another sign of God's closeness to us, in this case, through his mother. So. They're just some thoughts from my side, Joyce, so I might pass back to you again. Sure. Thank you. Very beautiful reflection there and a lot of things there in the mix to ponder and uh, also to see how in the past she would have inter interceded for the family uh, during the wedding feast at Cana. And uh, we see how uh, our Blessed Mother's intercession resulted in a fruitful experience for that family. And today, the same thing we see here, that uh, Our Lady is interceding again for all those souls who are going there, praying uh, with a hope, uh, with a strong faith and belief that they will receive a miracle, they will receive a healing, which will be performed by Jesus through the intercession of our Blessed Mother. That is taking place even today as we speak. So it's, it's a great testimony for our faith. It's a great holy site where even 
you know they say you know there is uh, 70 nearly 70 approved miracles that took place but there is nearly 7000 of them which were taking which which took place and then they are yet to be approved but officially as per the list it's only 70 the abundance of grace and the and the, and the blessings from god that flows through the intercession of our blessed mother who's the mediatrix of all grace is very much visible here in this holy site you know so zooming in on saint bernadette's journey then in this context um, it all started on the 11th february 1858 a very interesting point was that was thursday and luminous mysteries didn't exist then which is very hard for me to believe because you know the luminous mysteries were established by or or introduced and approved by the church through the uh, initiative of pope saint john paul ii only in 2002 so sad to know you know so back then it was a thursday that our lady is coming there and she's speaking to saint bernadette and we don't have luminous mystery there so they obviously prayed the rosary so it's very very interesting dynamics here how jp2 came into the picture and he added value to um, the the catholic church around the world you know by bringing this and a whole set of mysteries to ponder as they would have did in their times back then in 1858 so as we know from our story then saint bernadette came from a very a very humble family uh, they had their struggles and difficulties and challenges to meet their life giving bread as well you know and she was sick and she had her own health conditions and we know this also that uh, she didn't receive a proper education or uh, even catechism uh, a formal catechism so uh, so despite all these things she she wanted to help her family in every possible way at the same time to grow in faith so this is where our blessed mother comes in and her her all these challenges or weakness or the things that she didn't get uh, because of her family background uh, were not obstacles rather they became a stepping stone for her to reach out and to to experience something very unique that uh, her friends wouldn't have experienced so far uh, that her relatives wouldn't have experienced but she got that invitation from heaven through our blessed mother's intercession that she was invited to pray with our blessed mother she wanted to conversate and she spoke to our lady and all of this that that followed so saint bernadette's first encounter with our lady uh, was on 11th february 1858 then they prayed the rosary together which was followed by a series of meetings between uh, saint bernadette and our lady and it is only in the third encounter on 18th february that our lady spoke for the first time and would like to zoom in then on what she spoke and the things that she said you know, in addition to the points you highlighted there, Eileen. The first first thing she said was, what I have to say to you doesn't have to be written down. And number two, would you be so kind as to come here for 15 days? Number three, I do not promise to make you happy in this world, but in the other. And number four, go to the spring, drink of it, and wash yourself there. And then from time to time, it seems she was also saying uh, penance, 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 pray for sinners. And uh, the 13th encounter, it was reported by St. Bernadette that our lady said, go tell the priest and that people should come here in procession and to build a chapel here. And then 25th March 1858, which was the 16th encounter that St. Bernadette asked our lady her name. And our lady said the name and in english it means 
I am the Immaculate Conception. And that day was the Feast of the Annunciation. So uh, there is a lot to ponder here and there is a lot to zoom in on and to reflect uh, and journey along the footsteps of St. Bernadette and see what we can experience as well from these very special words uh, that's, that was spoken by Our Lady, which inspired St. Bernadette's soul. And same way, then we can allow the soul to, to ponder and experience as well this motherly intercession of our Blessed Mother and Lourdes. Over to you, Eileen. Lovely. Thank you, Joy. That's very nice. As you were speaking there, I was just thinking about some quotes here from St. Bernadette, again, which reveals, I suppose, the depth of the impression this incredible grace uh, left upon her soul. Um, you know, you nicely described there how she came from such a humble uh, background. Her family were poor. Her father worked in a mill. And if you go to Lourdes, you can actually visit these places where St. Bernadette and her family lived, which is incredible to see as such small dwellings. Um, so initially they had lived in the mill or next to the mill where her father had worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, Bernadette was the eldest of nine children, so a big family, of course, a lot of work. And we know, especially in those days, uh, life was much simpler in terms of conveniences and appliances. Uh, so you can imagine the amount of work and uh, St. Bernadette herself being of poor health and um, she she had suffered from asthma. Her father had lost his job at the mill at some point, and so the family had to move, and they moved to this other very small dwelling in another street, and it was sometimes called the the dungeon, and uh, a very small dwelling. You can actually go and visit it. It's incredible, you know, even in spite of its smallness, and, you know, you can sense the dampness that would have been there then, because, of course, there was no central heating. But, yes, you know, you can feel that air of grace, Uh, just knowing that Bernadette had been there, such a lovely, humble, simple family, and just imagining the lives that they had and maybe, you know, how their souls must have been transformed after all this incredible experience. Though her family initially were slow to let Bernadette return to the grotto when she told them uh, that she had seen her lady out of fear or maybe, uh, you know, thinking what what will the neighbours think or the locals think. Um, but yet, you know, just thinking about how their their souls may have been transformed by that and the, in fact, the whole village as well. And yet their lives probably still remained very humble and simple. Maybe physically nothing changed externally, uh, but yet it's it's what's happened internally. And um, of course, first, as you were describing there, Joy, the, the different uh, times when Our Lady appeared to Bernadette, Bernadette had been questioned by the civil authorities and kind of interrogated by them as well. Uh, people who didn't believe her, there was a lot of mixed reactions as well. But it's amazing mm. because she says in her words, she said, there was something in me that enabled me to rise above everything. I was tackled from all sides, but nothing mattered and I was not afraid. I think that's um, a lovely quote, and especially those words, I was not afraid, is uh, so apt there because um, from God does not come fear. And in fact, it says in the Bible, 365 times, be not afraid. So I, I think those words are very telling. And maybe if I was just to share um, another quote of hers here, which I thought was beautiful as well. 
She said, if one dream should fall and break into a thousand pieces, never be afraid to pick one of these pieces up and begin again. That's the beauty of being alive. We can always start all over again. Enjoy God's amazing opportunities and that he has bestowed on us and have faith in him always. And then just another one here, which I think is lovely as well. She said, I shall do everything for heaven, my true home. There I shall find my mother in all the splendor of her glory. I shall delight with her in the joy of Jesus himself in perfect safety. So there just um, a few words from my side. I'll go back to you again. Beautiful, beautiful. They're very lovely words there. And uh, can imagine how that soul would have journeyed all the way, you know, seeing heaven on earth. The Lord's website, official website, captures uh, and highlights it nicely. Uh, it states, you know, her accounts of the apparitions were precise, never adding or retracting anything. At one time, taken aback by the severity of Father Perimal, she added a word, Father, the lady always asks for a chapel, even a very small one. In his pastoral letter on the apparitions, Monsignor Lawrence emphasized the simplicity, the candor, the modesty of this child. She recounts it without affectation, with a touching innocence, and to all the questions put to her, without hesitation, she gave clear precise responses, impressed with a strong conviction, unaffected both by threats and attempts to bribe her with advantageous offers. Bernadette's sincerity is irrefutable. She has not wanted to make a mistake. But has she herself been mistaken? Victim of an hallucination, the bishop wondered. He recalled her calmness, her good sense, the absence in her of any exaltation, and also the fact that the apparitions did not depend on Bernadette. They happened without Bernadette expecting them. And in the fortnight, twice, when Bernadette went to the grotto, the lady was not there. Let's reflect to our Blessed Mother. Bernadette had to respond to the curious, to admirers, journalists, and others to appear before civil and religious commissions. She found herself thrown into the glare of the news. A media storm battered her. She needed patience and humor to stand firm in this storm and to preserve the purity of her testimony. She accepted no payment. I want to remain poor, she said. She did not bless the rosaries thrust at her. I don't wear stole. She did not sell medals. I'm not a merchant, she said. And so on and so on. So it captures nicely the personality and her commitment for the cause till the end. Uh, how she remained faithful and obedient. Uh, she was totally convinced that she was an ambassador and her role and her job was to bring that message from Our Lady to the church authorities and to enable them and to give them that convincing evidence what Our Lady asked for is for the chapel, to build the chapel so that people can come and worship God along with Our Lady there. You know, that's what we do. The people of faith, when we build a temple, we worship God there along with our Blessed Mother. As she said yes for God, we go there along with her and we say yes for God uh, and then we meditate and contemplate to receive Jesus in our hearts as she did. Over to you, Ellie. Lovely. Thanks, Joy, for that. Absolutely. And like as you're describing there, the worship, you can see that so nicely in Lourdes as well. 
like for example when you go into the beautiful basilica at different times of the day there will be masses in all different languages to facilitate um, people coming from all around the world uh, which is incredible and even just seeing the scale of people that come there is so beautiful you know big groups um, that are on pilgrimage and what is striking is uh, you know you see so many young and old together like working together the young volunteering to help the elderly or the sick um, you know wheeling them around on the wheelchairs ensuring that they get to everything they want to see um, you know that the beauty of that service that they give there uh, dedicating much of their week to that and in the process, um, ending up loving it. So many young people go there and really love it, feel very touched by just that, I suppose, beauty that is there, that sense of God's presence or lady's presence, you know, that gift of giving and maybe rediscovering something within them uh, that is leading them closer to the truth because they feel that sense that they have come in contact with what is true, you know, and... Um, it's a lovely thing to see and uh, just the way that the sick are cared for there, uh, those in need are always put up to the first place in the queue, always, when it comes to venerating, you know, the grotto. You can go in around the grotto and the Our Lady's statue is there nestled in the hollow in the rock and there's like a stream almost flowing down through the rock as well. It's very beautiful. And there's loads of candle shrines, you know, and I suppose in a way they symbolize everyone's petitions, uh, their own prayers and their hearts, wherever they are coming from in the world. And uh, the beautiful river that flows through there, you know, if you go down there when it's quiet or especially at night, a lot of people uh, say they like to go down there and you just get this lovely sense of calm and peace and quiet and listening to the gentle breeze. <laughs> through the trees and just imagining the whole scene listening to the river people praying silently and it's lit up um it's a beautiful scene and i think it captures i suppose again the essence of of what it is so um joy maybe i'll pass back to you again sure sure it's a nice way of visualizing and even without going to lourdes um, we can kind of have a virtual tour here as you described so that's well done Thank you for that. And uh, I would like to zoom in on the couple of key messages there. Um, when Our Lady said, you know, would you would you be so kind as to come here for 15 days? I just thought of uh, looking at uh, the significance of the number 15 in the Bible, just to just to see the significance of that number and what it relates in biblical terms. The number 15 in the Bible pictures rest which comes after deliverance, represented by number 14. The 15th day of the first Hebrew month, Nisan, is the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, a day of rest for the children of Israel and for Christians. The 15th day of the seventh Hebrew month begins the Feast of Tabernacles, also a day of rest. God told Abraham in a vision, just as the sun was setting to begin Nisan 15, on the Hebrew calendar, that his descendants would end up as slaves in a foreign country, which was Egypt. They would, however, eventually be set free. Genesis 15:12-16, and that happened through the intercession of Prophet Moses. And as you know, as we know, uh, he had a great encounter with God uh, in the wilderness, and then he was hesitant as well. Uh, he was 
feeling a bit low as well like St. Bernadette in the beginning. You know, people may not believe. Uh, and in the end, this is what we see. Moses was sent and then ultimately accomplishes that mission. Many years later in Egypt, then God miraculously delivered Israel's firstborn from the death angel just as Passover began after sunset, Nisan 14. Then 24 hours later, just as the sun was setting to begin Nisan 15, the children of Israel began to leave Egypt, Exodus 12, 40 to 41. So very crucial encounters there and uh, biblical reference signifies the importance of number 15 there. After dying on the cross, Jesus' body is placed in a garden tomb as the sun was setting to begin Nisan 15 in 30 AD, Matthew 27, 57 to 61, Luke 23, 50 to 55, John 19, 38 to 42, all records it, all has it as a proof. The book of 1 Peter contains material from 15 Old Testament books. And then also finally, the 15 promises recorded in the book of Matthew. The kingdom of heaven, we will be filled with righteousness. We shall see God. We will be called the children of God. Our names confessed before God the Father. We will be given rest. God will consider us part of his family. We shall become fully converted. We shall be great in God's kingdom. We will be able to receive Christ. Our requests made with others will be granted. Christ will be with us. We will be saved. We serve Jesus by serving others. Jesus will always be with us. These are the 15 promises recorded in the Bible. And we see then how that nicely transitions to the next, the third uh, sentence spoken by Our Lady that I do not promise to make you happy in this world, but in the other, which is the ultimate joy of the Lord, which you referred earlier on, that ultimate joy of the Lord, which we will experience face to face with God in our eternal home. So these are some of the crucial connections that I could see uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, a biblical connection, especially in, in light of uh, Our Lady of Lourdes and uh, St. Bernadette's encounter there. And also in the fourth sentence, Our Lady nicely reminds me you know, when she said, go to the spring, drink of it, and wash yourself there. That directly reminds me, without any reference to any sources, it directly reminds me, as a gentle soul, uh, pondering my fate. Uh, it reminds me of the miracle of Jesus. When he healed a blind man, uh, he asked him to go to the pool of Siloam and wash there, and he will be healed. So that's recorded in John 9, 7. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing not just the physical sight, but also his spiritual sight was opened. He was able to see things related to God away from the worldly things. He was able to see things that belongs to God and uh, the kingdom of God. He was able to see the kingdom of God. That is ultimately in those days, it was Jesus which was present in a human form there for us. He's present in the Holy Communion even today as we see and as we speak. So these are some very, very hidden things that we can explore. Uh, we, obviously, we all uh, are inspired in different ways by the Holy Spirit to uh, explore and ponder these things. But ultimately, what we saw or what we heard and what has taken place and the scenes and the drama that took place in the scene, there is much more than that. Uh, the spiritual significance there at Lourdes. And uh, there's more to that. It's not just what we heard or what we see in the text, but it's more than that. And obviously, St. Bernadette didn't capture it all uh, because Our Lady clearly said in the first sentence, no, you don't have to write everything down. So, But whatever she shared and whatever she left behind, we have been very blessed 
to experience that and to see a glimpse of what she would have experienced when she prayed a rosary with Our Lady, you know. Similarly, then, I would like to zoom in on the importance of praying the rosary. So Father Michael Gately, uh, MIC, he has captured it nicely in his uh, 33 Days to Morning Glory uh, book, A Do-It-Yourself Retreat in Preparation for Marian Consecration. Uh, in that, on page 37, he has highlighted the importance of the rosary. Um, I will read a section from there. There is something about praying the rosary that helps us develop a filial attitude of being with Mary. I think this has to do with the peaceful rhythm of the Hail Marys. When we pray the rosary, the goal is not so much to reflect on the words of the Hail Mary prayer itself. Rather, the Hail Marys are meant to be a kind of background music that helps us enter into a contemplation of the mysteries. This background music is like the gentle hand of a mother on our shoulders, standing behind us, getting us to look at Jesus, contemplate his face, and love him through his mother's eyes, mind, and heart. Praying the rosary does something to the soul. It allows Mary to shape and form us according to the image of our son. Pope St. John Paul II puts it like this, the rosary mystically transports us to Mary's side as she is busy watching over the human growth of Christ in the home of Nazareth. This enables her to train us and to mold us with the same care. To be formed and molded into Christ with the same loving care that Christ himself received from Mary, this is what Marian consecration is all about, and it is why we should pray the rosary. But how does Mary form and mold us? By the mysteries of the life of her son and by the lesson of her own humble, loving and docile attitude before the majesty of God, pondering and living the mysteries of the rosary are keys to holiness. And we see the same thing in St. Bernadette's journey here. The first thing she did as she encountered Our Lady for the first time, we see Bernadette was not sure what's going to happen or what's happening to her, knows this person immediately. She took the rosary and she started praying. And then as she started praying, it is recorded that on the other side, Our Lady was also praying and the beads were moving. So this is a very imp uh, important thing that we can take away and also notice uh, an experience from this uh, Our Lady of Lourdes uh, encounter and St. Bernadette's encounter there, that how the importance of rosary and the way that can mold us, shape us, as Father May Michael Gately highlighted there uh, that we are praying with Our Lady. It's nothing but we are praising and worshipping God and the, pondering the mysteries of Jesus along with Our Lady through our eyes, mind and heart. So ultimately then she prepares the praying soul and she molds us like she did to care of Jesus as highlighted here, you know. So that's how when in that in that in that sense then she also helped in the process uh, not just to establish a, a basilica there and, uh, you know, people are going on a pilgrimage today, but also ultimately helping Bernadette in discerning her own vocation, you know, who in the end, uh, she was convinced that her mission in Lourdes was accomplished and she moved on and uh, she joined the religious organization and ultimately she became a nun called uh, uh, St. Marie or Sister Marie Bernard, you know. So some very interesting dynamics there in the mix. Over to you, Eileen. 
Thank you, Joy, for sharing that. And it's beautiful to see the connection with the rosary. And as you share there, the lovely reflection from Father Michael Gately as well. Uh, you know how it all connects in and, and links together, just like the beads and the rosary. So um, thank you very much for that. Um, I'd like to just mention as well how St. Bernadette, um, after she had died, about 30 years later, when she had been exhumed, she was found to have been incorrupt. And of course, this is something we see with some of the saints, not all of them. And it uh, just because they're not incorrupt doesn't in any way uh, detract from their sainthood. But it's just, I suppose, a sign or a miracle that's attributed to the lives of some of the saints. Um, maybe it's a sign that will benefit those around them, those who knew them, or uh, the people in that locality or region uh, to, to bring them hope, to increase their faith. But nevertheless, it's such an interesting and amazing miracle, uh, this um, incorruptibility of the body, um, which is amazing because, you know, the paradox is, uh, in this case, for the incorruptibility of the body, it's the soul that is so important. <laughs> it's mm. the way they live their lives, their closeness with God, the closeness of their soul to God is what is so important in the case of this miracle for, for the body to be incorrupt. And uh, often you hear as well about the odor of sanctity this this kind of sweet smell as well you know so it's incredible and as we know the body decays pretty soon after uh, we die so so this uh, miracle of incorrupt uh, that we see with some of the saints i think uh, can be a great hope for us um, and maybe a sign of how close god is to us and most importantly um, it's a sign of the immortality of the soul you know the soul goes on and, uh, you know, in the words of St. Teresa of Lisieux, the world's thy ship and not thy home. Uh, mm. We're on a journey. And this is what much of the saints teach us, like St. Bernadette and, of course, this whole story of Lourdes as well. So I would just like to finish on that note from my side. So, Joy, maybe you have some final words. Sure, sure. Thank you so much for sharing those uh, inspiring journey of a soul. And uh, so many saints went ahead of us, uh, setting a great role model and example for inspiring other souls as well, corruptible and non-incorruptible, how the soul would have emerged out of those daily challenges and uh, ultimately lo you know, looking up to God and uh, living in divine providence that they emerged as saints. One, one such devotion uh, which inspired you know, the Catholic Church around the world just to conclude as well, uh, emerged from France again, and uh, that would have certainly been a precursor and a, a great motivation for St. Bernadette as well, because these devotions, it, it impacts people because it's visual, it's possible to see it and to pray. That is called the, the miraculous medal. So the solemn definition of the Immaculate Conception in 1854, to the immense joy of the Catholic world, came the solemn definition of the Immaculate Conception. For this, Mary had prepared the way by the devotion of the miraculous medal, and this she has herself confirmed by her apparitions at Lourdes, and by the unceasing stream of miracles and graces with which, in her honor, her Son has sanctified that holy place. Mindful of the same dangers at the present time, the Church, obedient to the wishes of her Queen, blesses and encourages the devotion of the medal. So, Immaculate Conception, the dogma that was established in 1854, and then the official feast of the apparition of Mary Immaculate of the Miraculous Medal was established in 1894 by Pope Leo XIII, 
uh, on November 27th, uh, you know, with the following explanation that the memory of the great maternal love made manifest by such deeds of power and liberality may be held in reverence and at the same time devotion to the Immaculate Conception be further established and increased. The Apostolic See judged fitting that, as had already been granted in the case of the Most Holy Rosary and the Scapular of Mount Carmel, a special feast should be kept each year to commemorate this apparition of the Most Holy Mother of God and her Holy Medal. So we see then um, the Miraculous Medal, the Brown Scapular, all these all these great devotions and further further then it, it led to so many other apostolates as well but we see how one leads to the other and then it all protects the soul and ultimately inspires the soul to go for more and our lady interceding again and again destroying all evil uh, working for her son uh, ultimately to fulfill his mission as he did in the past as he promised that he will come again to bring us home to our eternal home you know so there's a great story a journey uh, in lords uh, we all as pilgrim that we journey towards our eternal home um, lords definitely gives us a great hope in that process you know great thank you so i think that's a nice note to finish on and we hope you enjoyed this episode on our lady of lourdes and saint bernadette and uh, we do look forward to sharing with you again soon god bless you God bless you.